Welcome back to Fireside, a podcast from FS Investments. My name is Kara O'Halloran. I'm a director on our investment research team here. And on today's episode, we are continuing with our 2022 Outlook content, um, this time focused on credit markets. So I have brought in Rob Hoffman, the head of our research team and our resident credit expert to talk about the five big things that we are watching in credit next year. Rob, welcome. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, of course. So I would say I want to dive right in, but as a podcast host, I think I'm legally obligated to have a really long meandering question. Um, so, <laughs> so thinking about 2021, I felt like a broken record at times talking about credit markets, You know, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, coming into the year, we basically called for spreads to tighten to post-global financial crisis levels, which they did in high yield and they came close in loans. Um you know, they've, they've come off of those tights a little bit in recent weeks, um, but still sitting at pretty tight levels. We thought default rates would fall. They have. They're below 1% in both markets. Um, we thought fundamentals would continue to improve, and they did. So basically, my question is, how did we get all this so right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but no. <laughs> you know, so, so I want to talk about 2022. As I said, spreads are tight. Where do you think they can go from here? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the past couple weeks, few weeks have brought us this almost the the first bout of real volatility that we saw in the year. And one of the things that was really interesting is I think the equity market saw more volatility than than high yield and, and credit. Um, it, you know, if you look at small cap stocks and how they performed vis-a-vis high yield, high yield held in really well. Um, and I think a core part of that and really what was one of the core parts of our calls for 2021 um, was just a strong, aka low default environment and a, and a strong fundamental environment for credit that really helps anchor uh, high yield bonds and loans from a from an index perspective. So, you know, I think as we look into 2022, you know, to expect a low default rate to continue, you know, high yield spreads average below 350. You know, loans which are maybe just a hair over 400 right now could very easily average below 400. Um, you know, I think those are conditions that are, you know, fairly consistent with strong low default rate environments. Um, we have examples of this in history, you know, December of 94 to July of 98, December of 03 to June of 07. Um, you know, these are each three and a half year long periods of time with, you know, default rates that are sub 2%, you know, let alone the environment we're in now where we're sub 1% where default rate or spread levels can very much average, you know, the, these levels that we just talked about um, for almost the duration of those periods of time. So not that we may not get a little bout of volatility here or there in 2022. We, you know, sure enough, we, we definitely will. But I think as we think about the, the year as a whole, if we spec, expect these favorable credit conditions to continue, you know, I, I think spread levels are going to stay fairly low, fairly tight. Um, cause what's, you know, what's going to push them wider? Like, you know, what, what's, what's going to change that real fundamental yeah. backdrop? Yeah. I mean, I think thinking about the things that were, we talked about, you know, I just, just talked about the macro outlook and we're talking about inflation and the fed tightening. And, you know, these are things that we really don't see having major, major impacts on credit as a whole. Um, there's a lot of data pointing to, well, first of all, you know, Lara has myth busted that yeah. <laughs> the, the, the fact that, when Fed the Fed raises rates, that long term interest rates rise as well. They actually tend to to stay flat. Um, you know, so I think some of these things that a lot of people are pointing to that could jeopardize credit markets. Um, you know, maybe they cause, like you said, some interim volatility, but you know, still see a really really strong uh, backdrop. Yeah. So so let's talk about 
bonds versus loans, right? I think that we did just say that as the Fed raises rates, we don't necessarily expect, expect long-term interest rates to rise. However, we do still see uh, demand for floating rate products. Um, we saw a really strong CLO engine this year, uh, kind of buoying the, the loan asset class. What is your What are your thoughts on relative, you know, on a relative basis, bonds versus loans next year? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. If you look back in history, um, and some of the data that you help pull, you know, there's only been one other instance when both markets are positive that loans outperformed high yield. And I think even if you include where one of those markets might have been negative, which was 2018 in loans outperformed, there's only two total instances, you know, in, in a lot of the available data when loans have ever outperformed high yield. So generally speaking, you would call for high yield to outperform loans. You know, the, the interest rate question is interesting because it definitely, you know, has the potential to impact high yield more. Um, you look at 2021, you know, five-year rates, which is a kind of a proxy for the duration of the high yield market, um, were definitely up more than 10-year rates. And if that type of thing were to continue into next year, you know, that's a potential negative for high yield. Um, you know, I think the other thing is looking at retail flows which, you know, absent what goes on with interest rates, retail investors definitely seem to follow the narrative of what's going on with rates, whether rates actually do that or not. And so if we come into 2022 and we've seen some of that this year and it's still, you know, the tapering's going to wind down and the Fed's going to raise rates a couple times, I think you continue to see strong retail inflows into loans and high yield even though, you know, because it's a fixed rate market, tends to get outflows. Um, even if, you know, I would argue maybe on a, another podcast that maybe it shouldn't. But, it, you know, so I think it might create an environment next year um, where, you know, both markets, you know, we would expect to be positive, um, given the, the positive uh, fundamentals that we just talked about. But I think it could be a year that loans outperform high yield with both markets being up, which would be pretty rare. But, you know, given retail demand, given really strong CLO creation, which creates retail or which creates uh, loan demand, um, you know, it, it might bring together another one of these environments that sets up loans to outperform high yield. I, you know, I don't think by very much. Um, <laughs> it's not like it's going to be by hundreds and hundreds of basis points. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, look, in these markets, every every little bit can can count to a certain extent. Yeah, sure does. So one of the other kind of themes this year was really just this domination by lower rated assets. I think triple C's in both markets outperformed double B's by almost double um, in 2021. So can that continue in 2022? You know, what are what is your outlook there? Yeah, I, I think that um, in general, if you think about, you know, credit markets and sub investment grade credit markets where you know, your primary ratings categories are double B, single B, and triple C. And if you look at a market like high yield that is a fixed rate market, you know, theoretically, double Bs um, are going to have your lowest spread versus your other rating, agent, or rating profiles because it's theoretically the lowest risk. It is going to have the most duration or interest rate sensitivity. So, you know, from that standpoint, you would expect in a positive environment where rates are trending up, you know, that double Bs are likely to underperform the other ratings categories by a little bit, 
you know, at the same time as you continue to have strong fundamentals and recovery, um, people stretch for risk, you know, into the triple C space. And you would expect triple C's to probably do better. Um, you know, I think one of the, the limiting factors, though, is that you have seen a lot of this tightening in triple C spreads, you know, vis-a-vis double B's and vis-a-vis the index. Um, and you are probably not likely to get the same amount of outperformance. I think now if, if you know, double B's are up two and a half percent on the year, triple C's are up, you know, eight and a half or something like that. Like that relative degree of outperformance is likely to close next year. Um, uh, you know, there's just, I don't think there's that much more juice to squeeze. Right. You know? And it's, it's kind of just a sign of how quickly this cycle has moved. I think we, we looked at a couple of other time periods and took a look at the differential between triple B spreads and, or triple C spreads, excuse me, and double B spreads. Yeah. Um, and, and just that, that ratio really came down, that differential came down really quickly, um, this cycle as opposed to others. So kind of what might've been a lingering opportunity in cycles past has, has really come in quickly. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, we might feel better about triple C's and single B's, you know, versus double B's from a broad outlook perspective, by no means would I recommend, you know, going full steam ahead into triple C's, just buying whatever's in the index, um, you know, and just hoping that that's going to work out great because there is a lot more volatility, a lot more risk as you head down into the triple C space. You know, overall spreads are relatively tight. Um, and so, you know, I think that favors, you know, taking a real kind of idiosyncratic view to all of these credit stories to the extent that you can pick names that you really like that, you know, could outperform, you know, I, I do think it's more of a credit pickers environment next year. Um, you know, the broad beta rallies that we've seen coming out of the pandemic, it's going to get harder and harder to generate returns with that type of strategy. Um, and so I think, you know, you, you definitely got to be careful as you go down the credit, the credit spectrum and and really want to understand, the fundamentals of those companies and which ones are poised to perform and, you know, which ones have low ratings and low prices for a reason. <laughs> right. so. so staying kind of on the, the ratings topic, um, rising stars were a, a big topic this year, especially after we had, you know, so many fallen angels in 2020, a lot of people expected the reverse of that trade. So bonds being upgraded from high yield to investment grade. Um, that did materialize in a major way this year. Uh, so kind of pushes out the forecast a little bit. Um, so what are you thinking when it comes to rising stars in 2022? Yeah, you know, the the rating agencies, I think, are always quick to downgrade and, you know, sometimes a little bit slow to upgrade. Um, you know, as you pointed out, if the market was calling for, you know, $250 billion worth of potential rising stars, um, it was probably optimistic to think that all of that would happen in 2021. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, there were, what, 40, 50 billion dollars worth of worth of rising stars this year. Um, it, you know, and if you look at broadly speaking, you know, not just uh, upgrades from high yield to investment grade, but just overall upgrades within uh, sub investment grade markets, you know, upgrades have far outnumbered uh, downgrades this year. Yeah, we'll uh, give the rating agencies a little credit. They yeah. were they they weren't just kind of hanging out this year. They yeah, were busy, just exactly. <laughs> just not intermarket. <laughs> exactly, um, but I do think it sets the stage for next year in terms of you know looking at what it is that they they could do. Um, you know, a couple hundred billion dollars worth of rising star upgrades is a is a big potential. Um, and that's a very big number. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it has some meaningful impacts to the market. Um, 
but I, but I think it's a it's a real possibility if, if credit conditions stay the way that they are. Yeah, and something we've talked about is just the fact that rising stars, their spreads do tend to tighten in advance of the upgrade. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of rising star candidates to your point, and even assuming that markets have priced in maybe a little bit, but there still could be some potential spread tightening, which back to our earlier point, every little bit helps in markets like this. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's a I, I think it, it could be a core theme as you think about, you know, some event driven opportunities for investors next year. You know, as you said, it, it, you're not going to every little bit's going to count when you're in a tighter spread environment like you are now. And, you know, you look at some of the potential rising star candidates, you know, maybe trading 50 to 75 basis points wide of the triple B index. But, you know, look, that could be two to four points of price appreciation. And, you know, if your overall return outlook is, you know, four and a half, five percent, five and a half, like to get an extra two to three percent from price appreciation on a name getting upgraded to investment grade, like that's a lot of return in the context of what's out there in the marketplace. Annual return. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's a it's a big deal. And I think something that, you know, again, it, it you got to go line by line. You got to find the names that you really like and the ones that are likely to get upgraded that, you know, still have some of that upside. Um, and the I, ones I that, a, you know, given what we just talked about, thinking that everyone thinking so many rising stars are going to happen in 2021 and that getting pushed, you know, yeah. just having the time horizon to uh, to wait that out. But, yeah, no, exactly. So I want to bring it back to spreads again. We've talked about it a bunch. Things are tight. Um, what is the best opportunity you see in credit right now? You know, one of the things um, that we really like are CLOs, um, you know, for those that don't know, collateralized loan obligations, uh, securitizations of pools of floating rate loans. Um, you know, when you think about our outlook for credit markets, fundamentals are really good. Default rates are really low. So that when you look at the composition of what is in a CLO, we feel pretty good about the overall quality outlook for loans. You know, one of the things that's really interesting when you look at CLOs and where they are trading vis-a-vis -vis corporate bonds you know, you look across markets, the expectation is that spreads today are tight and tighter than historical averages. However, when you look at CLOs and where CLO liabilities, rated liabilities, so, you know, AAA, AA, single A, triple B, double B, and you start to look at some of these areas of CLOs and how they're trading, you know, in some cases, you know, they are not trading tight. And they might even be trading wide of historical average in an environment where default rates are sub 1% and every other credit market is trading with tight spreads. Um, and one thing I'd, I'd add to that point is that CLOs reached, it was a major milestone this year, right? They're a trillion in market cap. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of look at that as really cementing them as a, a mainstream credit allocation, right? And so I think if we think about CLOs are going to trade wide to corporates. I think that's that's just a fact. But I think that there's an argument to be made that they should be trading, you know, they, they could trade tighter to corporates than they have in the past, um, which, you know, could could result yeah. in some significant spread tightening. Yeah, you know, on a, rel and, on a relative basis. And look, <laughs> and even if you just look at the, you know, the yield of triple B CLOs, which is a investment grade rated instrument, and compare that to double B corporate bonds, which is a sub investment grade, you can earn a higher yield in a floating rate investment grade rated instrument, you know, versus a fixed rate sub investment grade rated instrument. Like mm -hmm. that's a really interesting dynamic. And if you look at the, you know, long term default and loss history of CLOs, it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, and in some cases, you know, it looks better than comparably rated bonds. So, 
you know, maybe CLOs have a little bit of a stigma being a securitization. You know, they trade with this excess risk premium. But when you actually look at the historical risk profile, certainly for CLOs, you know, we're not going to spend time talking about mortgages. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. But, you know, for, for corporate loans, they have a great return profile, a great history of performing through periods of volatility and elevated yields. Um, and we think it's a really attractive opportunity. It's harder to access. You know, that might be one of the things that causes the opportunity to persist. It's not very easy to go buy, a, you know, an ETF or an index tracking product to gain access, especially to the, you know, double B or, or triple B part of the CLO market. It's a, it's a lot more difficult. You got to look at some more specialized managers, um, but it is an area of the market that we well, think it's, it is more complex too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a lot that goes yeah. into them. So. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, we think yeah. it is a part of the market that looks pretty attractive. 100%. Yeah. All right, Rob, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining our five for 2022 uh, credit outlook will be available on fsinvestments.com along with the rest of our 2022 year ahead content. Um, and we will, we'll bring you back next year to, to talk credit again. Can't wait. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. Take care. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by FS Investments. If you found this helpful, subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they're available.